and welcome to the big show. And uh, are we still using the big show? It's still a thing. Come on, let's use it. Okay, good, good, good. Big show. This is Dim Lights and Stiff Drinks, the dive bars of Seattle. This is a podcast of dingy taverns, back alley saloons, gritty roadhouses, and dive bars of the greater Seattle area. We explore the CD history and salacious backstories of timeless drinking establishments, along with you know sampling what's on tap and swapping some tall tales along the way. We hang out in the places where sorrows are drowned and future regrets are made, and I'm striking out the so you don't have to part, right? Because that's you okay. know what? Fuck it. Like you, if you want to do that, if you want to have those regrets, that's part of the experience. That is part of the experience. That is part. All right, but we don't just talk about awesome dive bars in the confines of some cushy recording studio. No, uh-huh. no, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> we right come here. to you, come to you live from Seattle's greatest watering holes, and in this case, outside in the outdoor patio of some of Seattle's greatest drinking establishments. With me, as always, Dim Lights crew, Bob, producer extraordinaire, noted historian and a celebrity author, Brad the Stash Panda. Hello, friends. Sweet MF and Lou. Happy to be here. We had a couple recently, like Fifth Avenue Tavern and Waterwheel, that are places I have driven by a hundred times and never been in. <laughs> this is a place I have been in a hundred times. Well, this nice. is this is your hood. Yeah, it's my well, hood. It, 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 you know what? Funny you say that, Lou. Well, it's my good. hood too. Well, my my ex hood, and we're, right. uh, we're actually going to get into the details of that. So let's skip ahead. But that's good. That's good. I'm your host for this episode. I'm going with um, how about uh, MC Deep Cut. Deep cut, deep cut huh? that's right. Okay. And we're going to get into the reason why deep okay. cut tonight. Is that a beer-related deep cut? It is. It is. Right Today on. we are in Sully's Snow Goose. <laughs> <laughs> Saloon. Sully's Snow Goose in beautiful, beautiful Finney Ridge in a gorgeous almost June, not quite, end of May day. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> Since we lost two years off of our each of our lives. That's right. Episode totally uh, number four, season two, I believe it was. Yep. Totally worth it. Yeah. Totally worth it. Yeah, it was and good. it's worth it today, too. Well, like I said, we are at Sully's Snow Goose. And uh, Brad, you want to tell us a little bit about where the heck we are? Happy to do so. Yeah, so... Like my friend Jeremy said, we're at Sully's, located on the corner of Finney Avenue North and North 62nd Avenue. Its early years are a little muddy. It sounds like it opened in 1933 and was reportedly one of the first bars to get a liquor license once Prohibition was repealed. Mm. At least that's the, mm-hmm. the story. The building itself was supposedly built in 1924, but one th- we were just talking about this a little before we started recording. I'm not sure if it, when it was built, if it had this Bavarian-style architecture, or if that came later. Lou, yeah. you thought you seem to think it came later. I think this came first because the house at the back, that's part of this property, is a way more modern building. So okay, I think it, this lot was added on with the residents at the back. But but yeah, I'm just curious when it gain this architecture when it gained this Bavarian style architecture like a Bavarian pub schnitzel yeah well you, you, that's a great point you walk by and you th- I think Leavenworth right it's like straight out exactly. of Leavenworth it looks like Leavenworth right but it, it but it also looks like it's been here a while right it's not like this yeah. isn't this isn't something slapped on a few years ago or something it's been here a while like, like this right with the Bavarian architecture right well and when it opened its first name it was called the La Boheme Tavern which is very Bavarian sounding so I got to think 
that that's when this Bavarian architecture came on board. Isn't La Bohème French? La Bohème? I don't know. Does it look? It kind of looks French, right? But Bohemian but isn't that like um, oh, from the, the isn't Bohemian the word Bohemian kind of a from the Bavarian Prague area? Uh, yes. You're sure. Let's go with that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Let's my, go with my that. Public school education isn't going to get us that far down okay. this road. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think we need some listeners to call us in and correct the fuck out of this. So that's my working theory. I think that's why it has the architecture it does from its when it was uh, La Bohème Tavern. La Bohème. But anyway, so it operated, it opened as La Bohème Tavern, and it operated as that until the 90s, and we'll get into that in a moment. But first, we got a good crime story here. So uh, Satan's Pilgrims, hit us with the crime music. So police 1942, blotter. yeah, police blotter. So 1942, two guys are here having some drinks when it was the La Boheme Tavern. Um, they're here for two, three hours, and wait, then they're sitting there with some like French berets on. No, there were no berets in the story. How do you know? There's are there pictures. There's a hat does make an appearance in the story, but oh, it's not a beret. Okay. Uh, so anyway, they're having a couple drinks. At some point, they decide to call a cab. Right, presumably to take their drunk asses home. So a cab pulls up, they get in, the two men tell the cab driver, just take us through Woodland Park. And he's like, okay, so they're going through Woodland Park. Just when, take us through Woodland Park. Was this Woodland back in the Park? day when you could drive through Woodland Park or were they yeah, like well, Yeah, there were roads in the it. Well it, it's kinda like um Volunteer Park, you know how like there's certain parts of Volunteer Park where you could drive uh, through yeah, yeah. little thoroughfares. Like and back in like the day, that. there was actually more dry driveways through Woodland Park than there is now, which there's zero now. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But this is the 1942. All right. So anyway, they're driving through Woodland Park. They get to a dark, secluded area. One of them pulls out a gun, tells the driver, "All right, pull over." Pulls over. Uh, they order the driver in the back seat. One of them sits back there with them with his gun trained on him. You know, keep your head down, don't say a peep. The other takes his cap because this is back when cab drivers wore the, like those uniforms with the caps, oh, almost the like the newsboy cap. No, it wasn't the newsboy. It was almost like a captain's cap with the brim. You oh, know what I mean? Okay. Like the nineteen forties cab sure, driver. Sure. Right. So, well, I said, so yeah, like checker, yellow, yeah, exactly, or something on the cab. exactly, yeah. like yeah. that. So one of the robbers takes the cap, gets behind the wheel, and he starts driving the cap, impersonating the cab driver. They just wanted to carjack the guy. Well. They're about to go do some bad. So what they do is they end up driving back here. They pull in front. One of the one of the robbers gets out with a gun, goes in, and robs the place. You know, a live robbery. Comes out. Disguised as the cab driver. Ca- disguised as a cab driver. Oh, he's still he, in jail. He nets a, he nets a whopping $30. <laughs> yeah. So hops in. They drive off, right? Doesn't uh, even cover the cab fare. Yeah, barely, right? I know. So, of course, what does the tavern do as soon as, like, they walk out the door? They call the cops. So the cops put out a call. Hey, we just had, a you know, an armed robbery in Finney Ridge. Be on the lookout for this cab. Yellow taxi. Yeah. Uh, Within minutes, the cab is spotted. A high-speed police chase ensues through the streets of Finney Ridge. 
And this is like a movie. They're shooting at each other. You know, like one in person's a, leaning in, out the window. In a, in, a, in a cab. In a cab with the oh, police car chasing it. Yeah. And they're shooting at each wow. other through the streets of Finney wow. Ridge. Maybe even past who was, whoever was living in your house at the time. That's right. I yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. You still got the <laughs> bullet holes in the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I had charm to the place. <laughs> yeah, Barbara keeps telling me to fix him. I'm like, no, no, no. You just hung a picture on the wall. Story to tell. Yeah. Uh, eventually, the cab, you know, pulls the maneuver where they just pull over to the curb, come to a screeching halt, and they jump out and run away. And they get away. They run off in the woods somewhere, and cops lose track of them. So they're they're scot free, or so they think. Well, they got a lot of they got a lot of uh, charges waiting for him though you know they robbed a tavern they robbed the cab driver police chase shooting at the cops lots of charges so there's there's like a bounty out for these guys the cops want them these guys take off down to california now again this is all over 30 dollars they robbed <laughs> here at the tavern now they're fugitives Jesus, boys. living down in california a bounty hunter eventually captures these guys wait what's the bounty on two guys who Rob that robbed thirty dollars, thirty bucks. I don't know, sixty bucks. Yeah, someone grabbed him though and brought him back here. Well, no, this is back in the day when cops didn't need an excuse to whip your ass. Like, yeah, you shoot down there, like get these guys up here. Just get them up here. We'll take we'll it from take there. Them from <laughs> <here>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Price is no object. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just bring them to us. We'll <laughs> so anyway, these guys end up going to prison, all over thirty dollars. But I was I was researching the story, and as I was reading through it. Like, I was wondering, how much do you think alcohol was a factor in this? Do you guys think these guys were just criminal scumbags that would have done it otherwise? Or do you think they were just shit-faced mm-hmm. drunk? Hey, I got an idea. That's true. Were That's they, true. Were they in the cab yeah, going, true. dude, do you have cab fare? No, me neither. Fuck. Oh, shit. Well, I got a gun. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got a idea. solution. I got an idea. <laughs> Bear with me. <laughs> Yeah. What would that be in today's dollar? Thirty. What would be like three hundred? Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Which would get you to like Medford nowadays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On a Greyhound. <laughs> I don't think they were going too far. Shahalas. <laughs> Stop at the outlet mall. <laughs> Well, Don't anyway, so that's the, the engine. <laughs> that's the one crime story with this. That's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah. So, yeah, it operated as uh, La Boheme Tavern until 1995. So before that, the current owner, Tim Sullivan, which is uh, presumably where Sully's the name comes from, he's the current owner and has owned the property since 1978. And then in 1995, there was some dispute between him and the people running the mm. bar. The lease wasn't renewed, and then he just mm-hmm. took over ownership. Mm. So he's owned it since 1995, and that's when it became Sully's. Yeah, he was a good. He was a day job guy, like the rest of us. And uh, I think his kids were going to college. I spoke to him a little bit, and uh, when we were scouting the place, and he said, uh, "Yeah, I thought this would be a job that is more fun than my day job, and uh, and it's done well for him." Yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. Well, like we were talking about before we started recording, it's a popular neighborhood bar. So there's always customers walking through the door. It's on a pretty busy intersection, so good foot traffic. It's very visible. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he's doing very good. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, 
wonderful neighborhood. There's bars um, and restaurants all up and down the place. So yeah, there's a lot of foot traffic. A lot of yeah. Uh, he's in a good yeah. As they say, location is everything, and he's in a, <laughs> a good location. Oh, okay. That's yeah, right. Little neighborhood bar. Uh, Used to be a Starbucks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but but now a much better use of the location. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. Last Saturday saw the band Velvet Hog. Everybody check them out. Nice. Huh. And shout out to Red Mill Burgers. I have always said best burgers in Seattle. I agree with you. I second best that. Solid. I second that, yeah. If you know a burger, that's what you would say. Yeah. So should we kick off the uh, burger joints of seattle podcast at some point i think we should that would be stop number I one for sure man should. red mill would be definitely be one of the yep. first stops hold on i gotta the starbucks is closed <laughs> <laughs> son of a it's going to pot sorry buddy where's the guy supposed to get his latte now <laughs> supposed to go to the starbucks 10 blocks down the street now one of the things sully's here they have a yearly tradition of you you guys may have been to this before Every April Fool's Day, every April 1st, they've been doing this since 2000, they have a pie joust tournament. Have you guys seen this before? Heard of it, never actually experienced it, unfortunately. I've never seen it yeah. either. Is it a pie yeah. on the end of a stick? You run towards each other? I think you have it in your hand, but you're yeah. on, I believe you're on a bike. Two guys on bikes okay. go at each other and they try to get each other in the face with pies. Nice. Yeah. Yep. You can Google, Google that shit and, and yeah. see some, see some good pictures. I think yeah. so, man. They, it sounds like a fun time. Doing it? Yeah, apparently so. All right. Hopefully it's a good pie. Hopefully it's one of those Tom Douglas coconut cream $55 Ooh. pies. Ooh, yeah. Uh. Tom Douglas. We love those pies. Yeah. Those are good. <laughs> so, yeah, that's basically the story of Sully's. Not, you know, not a lot's gone on, but uh, like we said, it's just your, just a reliable, nice uh, neighborhood Bavarian-themed bar. Like Lou said, this is one of the bars I've driven by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I've hung out places right around here. There's never, never Well, here. you know, we're, yeah. we're right on Finney Ridge, Finney Avenue. This whole neighborhood is killer. Yeah. And it's an awesome drag to cruise around. Like you go a little bit further south, you got the Greenwood Car Show and Greenwood Avenue. You go a little further north and you got the 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 zoo and the Woodland Park Woodland Park area and all that kind of fun stuff. So this corridor is excellent. Yeah. And what's awesome is, you know, way back in the day, I used to live about four blocks away. And this neighborhood has still kept its really cool neighborhood, urban feel to it. And yeah. it's evolved you know, massively over the years. Well, and it's, it's right next to the Greenwood neighborhood, which yep. also still has that same kind of vibe awesome. that it did 20 yeah. years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Lots of yeah, that's true. Yeah. That, yeah, they must have the Finney Ridge building codes is mostly residential. Pretty tight so codes. They yeah. haven't ballardized yep. Finney Ridge right. at all. Right. Yeah, and in fact, just a few blocks down is a safe, well, what used to be a Safeway. Yep. And when that Safeway was built, it was very contentious because they were, they wanted to build just higher than the code would allow. Oh, hell no. it's not even like two stories. It's They wanted a facade that was like X number of feet or like whatever. Like a few feet over. And Finney's like, nope. And Safeway's nice. like, fuck, I'm right. Yeah. And they folded. <laughs> just like Starbucks. Just starved him out. Like, don't support that business. <laughs> what we used to do, and you can do this at home, listener. 
a great pub crawl is the Finney to Greenwood pub crawl. Oh, You start yeah. at Sully's and you end at Baranoff. Oh, oh nice. yeah. Well, nice. not anymore. R.I.P., right? No, oh, I think it's back in business. They, they, did they, they open up again? They're they reopened. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah. Update to episode two, season three. Or yeah. Whatever the, no, episode eight, season, season two. Uh, yeah, they reopened closed we thought maybe for good but we didn't now... know there's some kind of building code dispute oh my God. yeah gentlemen drink to that yeah cheers all right cheers yeah. to the baron off welcome back to the fold now you heard now, it here as far as the pub cheese. crawl you were talking about what other what pubs are between here and and Baranoff? you'd be surprised in a bad way if you didn't want to get <laughs> shit faced because you're like it's when you drive by, you don't even notice them. But when you're walking yeah. it, you're Hidden like, gems. no, another. Bar. <laughs> yeah. The guy who is kind of hardcore, like that's the rule. If it's a restaurant that serves drinks, that doesn't count. But if it's a bar bar, you have to stop and have a drink. Oh, yeah. You might get an S-can at the Angry Beaver. I wonder if that's. Angry Beaver. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a little sports bar by the library. I think it might be still there. There was like, um, I think Prost or what's the name of that one? place yeah just down the street from 74th street ale house one of my favorites oh yeah yep but that's a really good point lou like you walk by sully's here and you you might mistake it for a restaurant it's got kind of a restauranty kind of vibe to it got the cool patio outside it's got the cool bavarian looks to it. it's like oh okay i'm gonna go in there and get a schnitzel or something hell no get out you're getting a beer yeah and this is a true tavern right this is a true tavern no hard liquor I believe so. Yeah. 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 It's just beer. Yeah. And I don't think they have a kitchen. It's just because if you don't have hard liquor, you don't have to serve food. Right. You get a little bit of food. A little bit of food, but just pub grub. Yeah. Pub grub. It's like hot dogs and yeah. Yeah. Sticking with the Bavarian flavor. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, I'm going to hit it over to you there, Rue. We've got a Rue. bunch of beers sitting in front of us, and I cannot wait to talk to the selection. But let's let's stick it off with you, Brad. What you drinking? I'm drinking some Bodhi. Bodhi. Now, Bodhi, so this, this is an observation I made, and this kind of confirmed my theory. Did so, Georgetown run Seattle? <laughs> no. <laughs> Georgetown is part that. of the theory, well though. Established. But it seems like when you go to a place, you're either going to see Sea Pine uh-huh. or you're going to see Georgetown, but you don't see them together. Have you noticed that? Mm. So what's turf what's, war? Is it a turf war? Oh yeah. But and Sea Pine is like building up their their profile. You're seeing Sea mm-hmm. Pine in way more places, mm-hmm. but you either see one or you see the other, but you don't see them both together. At least I haven't noticed that. Huh. Nice. Huh. So, uh, you know, what, why is that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Hellbent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what, you're drinking uh So I'm drinking a Bodhi. Yeah. Probably one of, one of, if not the most common beers on tap at all of the dive bars we have visited over three glorious seasons of this podcast, right? Yeah. Bodhi, Lucille. Absolutely. One or two or A little bit of Johnny Utah, a little bit of, yep. Yeah. Absolutely. No more Madden. <laughs> no more right. Red Hook. Yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> I know. A very little Hale. pyramid. No more Hefeweizen. pyramid or Hales. No, I'm drinking a Hefeweizen. Okay. What you know, are you? They, they have those three taps right at the front of the bar that are old school Euro. 
uh, beers. I noticed that. They are old school. Euro and beers. there's two Pilsners and a Hefe in the middle. I can't remember the name, but that's what I got. Hawkins yeah. Quarter? Yes. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I got. It's delicious, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Extra special, special bitter. bitter. Yep. Yeah. And they did a, like a double for a while. I don't know if they still do. That was fucking like 11% or something. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. It was before the Man's beer. Refine the how to make a high-octane beer taste good. <laughs> <laughs> Just drink it quick. Beer bomb. <laughs> well, that, that's, a, that's an interesting point, Lou. There's definitely Do you have a Pills? Is that what that is? One of your a Euro Pills? No. No. I stuck with a tried and true IPA, in this case a Rubens Crikey. Because A, I love the Rubens Crikey, had it on draft before, but it's not super common on draft, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to grab it because it's been a while since I had one. So not disappointed in the fact. Yeah. But back to your theory there, Brad, um, Turf Wars with? Between Sea Pine and, and Georgetown. Well, we have almost 25 beers on tap here at Sully's, which is I'm, I'm fucking in beer heaven right now because not not the best selection we've been in like all of the dive bars, but one of the best e- epic selection of beers. And guess yeah. what's on tap? Is Sea Pine in there? Sea Pine Coles. Oh, it is. Okay, well there blows my theory then. Never <laughs> and mind. And two Georgetowns. So. Well, I but, saw the Georgetowns. Obviously, yeah. I got a Bodie, but. But you know, they they could still be fighting it out. Like, yeah. You, you don't know. I want to think they are, right? man. Like, I want to like. Maybe Start Sully, a, Sully's trigger a feud between them. Sully's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sully's like, let's all get along here. Yeah. You know what? I'm taking your cake. I'm taking your cake. You, you two could like bitch it all out of you want yeah, to. But yeah, yeah. This is my business. <laughs> so George sounds like firebomb in the place. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck like them! Wars with little red hen. Yeah. yeah. But no shit. So there's a sea pine in there, huh? There I didn't is, see yeah, it. Sea pine okay. Kolsch. Absolutely. Okay. There's also some. Uh, you know, so we got some Johnny Utah and probably third or fourth most popular beer yeah. on tap. So some great stuff. Boneyard uh, RP. IPA, another mm-hmm. common one we've seen, yeah. right? Uh, what do we got here? Lagunitas, one of my favorites, Bodhisattva, Lush IPA, Lucille, a little hazy. Uh, but one thing I really love about this is, like you said, Lou, there is some pretty esoteric German and English beers on tap, which is pretty damn cool. We are sitting under a giant Velton's Brewery awning umbrella thingy shade thing, which I don't... I have not seen it in any of the dive bars we've been to, and I don't know if I've ever seen it at any of the other Seattle bars so. in this area. Very yeah. obscure. Velton's a brewery out of Germany, opened up in like the 1820s or something, been around. They have a, a Pilsner on tap. That's where the history's from. You think stuff's old here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, funny you say that. It's like, yeah, 1830 or something for Velton's, but for European breweries, that's pretty new. That's a newfangled beer. <laughs> How do you, know? you get European beers on tap? Like, does that shit flown over here? Yeah. Uh, it's on, on a special boat. Kicks. goes around the Cape of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It arrives uh, a year we, later. We actually discussed this already. <laughs> it's with the Brunswick bars, and you throw on it the It comes case. over from Europe on train. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Cape interesting you say that. I, I don't know for sure, but I would venture to guess that Velton's is probably shipped over from Germany or somewhere in Europe where it's brewed, right? However, a lot of European, uh, German, and English beers originated in Europe, but a lot of them are brewed locally now because they got so hot. Another one that's on draft here at Sully's is Guinness. 
Okay. Guinness draft, right? It's like awesome. Love Guinness. It probably didn't come from Ireland. It I, I probably came from I've one of the other five that. breweries that that. Um, Guinness so is there owns. a Guinness brewery here in America? I believe there's that a couple of them. Supplies the North American yeah, continent or whatever. There's a, there's a couple of them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In, that makes sense. I, I don't remember what one up in New England, I think, and the one other in like the Midwest or something. Well, because so. how long could beer survive in a keg before it goes flat? Well, long enough to get over the pond. You think so? Well, I hope so. We've been getting, you know, uh, European, South American, Australian beers for, you know, years now, and it's yeah. got to come from somewhere. I guess so. I yeah. guess so. Can survive the trip around the Cape? Yeah. We lost three good men on this expedition. <laughs> and six kegs! <laughs> way to get beer, I want to hear it. Bring me the next batch. Well, that's a good point. I mean, that that, that brings, I mean, we won't have time for this episode, but that brings the whole, the whole reason why, why IPAs exist, right? Right. Whole history of that is like they invented IPAs just so it could like you know weather the Have transport. Have shelf life, yeah. yeah. Oh no, yeah. kidding. Oh, absolutely, yeah. They hop the shit out of it because it's a it's a natural what's um, that do? Preservative. Preservative, absolutely. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. To this day, you know, a highly hopped beer has a generally a higher shelf life than a non hoppy beer. I thought they did it because people want to get fucked up quick. Well, that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That came with the uh, advents of doubles, doubles and triples. Nice. Yeah, and the the, uh, the Belgians and the, the Germans will claim that they invented that, and they probably did. Probably. Probably did. Yeah. Nice work, nice work. <laughs> so what are you going to get for round two? You're going to go Euro on this Ooh, one? you, yeah, you, you got to do what? it. Yeah, there's a, there's a Raderberg, Raderberger. I might try the Velt. I don't think I've ever actually had the Veltons. It's a Pilsner. Not normally my style of choice, but might might have to do it. Might have yeah. to do it. Yep, I'm drinking a Hefe out of a Velton's glass. I'd never heard of it before I got here. Oh, but look, Jeremy, I don't want to send you down this road. You keep putting it oh. off, but eventually you're going to have to talk about Great call-out, Lou. Great call-out, uh, Lou. I, I'm actually drinking my Rubens Crikey IPA out of a Bud Light glass. Ooh. Wow. Okay, but We're about to get uh, <laughs> canceled or something. Which, and, and Brad's drinking out of a Milkalope Ultra glass. Yeah. <laughs> but... Your glass, Lou, is an actual Velton's pint glass with the Euro CE markings of the of the actual volume of the glass right on it, which is pretty cool. That's right. So if you were drinking in Europe, right, you were telling me they mark these glasses where yeah. to sort of enforce it, the, commer- uh, it's a the law. consumer code. Like yeah, if your law. beer is not filled at least up to this line, call the cops. Shit's going to go I down. Think, I think you should take your beer back to the bartender right now and say, uh-uh. <coughs> <laughs> Top it off or I'm suing your ass. Nice. So is that a cue that we should go get round two? Hell yeah. About, I think uh, so. I think so. Where we're at? Yeah. Zoo-related matters? Let's yeah. do it. All right. Let's All right. do it. Satan's Pilgrims, take us out and bring us back. We're back. back. Thank you, Satan's Pilgrims. Woo, we're back for round two. Um, I'll kick us off for what we got with round two because I'm looking at a beautiful Guinness glass. We talked about Guinness Nitro on tap here at Soli Snow Goose, which is fantastic. I love Guinness. It's a cool glass, one of the old school, like curvy little, like tulip style Guinness pints, but. And it looks like, again, it's got the beautiful uh, white head on the top and then a nice little reverse bubbly cascade that you expect from a Guinness. However, it is not a Guinness. It is the other nitro tap that they have. 
which I was just talking with Lou when the Satan's Pilgrims were, you know, rocking us out here, that this might be the first place we've been to that had not one, but two nitro taps. Yeah. We've been a couple of dive bars, not many, but a couple <coughs> with nitros. Always love the nitro. Guinness on taps, always a, always a favorite. This is uh, Elysian Winter Dark Ale on nitro, which is A, unusual, because it's a second nitro, but also unusual that it's like almost June and... <laughs> they have an Elysian winter. <laughs> yeah. But it's delicious. I ordered it. It's fantastic. Uh, Elysian Brewery, one of the benefits of going super big like Elysian has over the last few years is you can do their super limited release beers like a winter ale all fucking year long and make billions of gallons of it. And, and as an added bonus, you don't need to eat dinner tonight because that is a meal <laughs> in class. Oh, it is a meal. Yeah, it is absolutely a meal. Got your little bread right there. Yep. Probably seventeen hundred calories in that glass. <laughs> yeah. What'd you get for round two, Brad? So uh, you guys sold me on the Veltons, and I'm glad I got it. Veltons, it's, it's yeah. It's a very tasty. Is this a lager? German Pilsner. It's a Pilsner. Um, it reminds me of the beers I had when I was in Europe, like just kind of the generic beers you'd have at like various cafes. Definitely brings me back, and and it's. Uh, it's, it's really light good. And refreshing and light good. and refreshing, a perfect summer beer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and not like Thumbs Bud, up. where it's like terrible and light and refreshing. Yeah, it's <laughs> actually good. Yeah, trendy Americans might call that a session beer. Easy drinking. You yeah. could you could drink five, six pints of that, no problem. And it's not super high ABV, so yeah. you don't have to worry about it. Well, that's kind of my speed these days. I kind of like the the lighter, yeah. the pilsners and the lagers. Easy going beers. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Nice. Louie got the same thing. I did. I got a Velton's too. I couldn't resist. I'm I'm super jealous because you guys got the cool Velton's pint glasses. That's right. We do. And I love my glasses. Guinness glass. It's awesome. But I'm a little little dismayed because it ain't a Guinness in that glass. So. Ooh, that's a good point. Um, I I think these. I'm guessing that these are all Imperials. Yeah, I think you're right. All Imperials. It's uh, you got the traditional. Uh, European imperial style. The Guinness is the the old school uh, tulip style. But I think and what makes all... an imperial pint? How is uh, it different from a what you'd find here in the states? Well, a pint pint is typically like a sixteen ounce pint, right? But the imperial pint's a little bit bigger. You, all the way up to the rim is twenty ounces, but you got to go right to the rim. Yeah. But like you said, Lou, you got the little markings on this glass, very Euro style, which is roughly a sixteen ounce marking on there for an imperial pint. Keep them honest. Keep them honest. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, and the w- interesting backstory with that: one of the reasons that they have that marker is that you are supposed to get that much liquid and, and there's the a little head. that's right there's a little bit of room for the head and if the the bartender wants to be super sneaky and give you like a little more head not enough liquid or whatever no mm-mm, marking right on the glass or biatch that's right check the hash <laughs> check yes. the hash all right let's hashtag check the hash yeah that's that's good let's get that trending okay nice. right on so, Lou, I'm guessing you might got a little bit of history about where we at. And like I said, I we're on Finney Ridge. I fucking love this neighborhood. I used to live just a few blocks away. Effing love this. But unfortunately, I'm way the fuck up north now. I hardly ever make it back to this neighborhood as much as anymore. But why don't you tell us a little bit about where we're at? Well, it's not about where we're at this week. It's where we are on. What? We're on Finney Ridge. Yeah. It's a ridge. We're not in nothing. Yeah. We're on, on the ridge. the ridge. 
Just like View Ridge, it runs north and south and it separates Ballard from Green Lake. It's one of those places where the natural geography dictates uh, how they divided the neighborhoods. And it is it is literally a ridge. I mean, you can see like over on the east is Giant downhill. Hill either way. <laughs> on the west is downhill. We're like the pinnacle, man. Yeah. That's true. You want your workout? Come to Sully's. Walk down to 8th. Walk down to Green Lake. Walk back to your car and you'll be sober. It's, uh, and it's named after a guy named Finney. Guy Finney, to be exact. Mm. Lumber mill magnate like Captain Ballard and Henry Esler in Pioneer Square. So Guy Finney came to town swinging a big wallet. He made a fortune in Canadian lumber and real estate and moved here in 1881 from Nova Scotia. And he bought Finney Ridge for a bargain from two guys that also bought it for a bargain from the government two years before that for $1.25 an acre. Oh. That is a deal. So Finney Ridge is 200 acres. So. In, in 1879, you could have bought Finney Ridge for 250 bucks. Hey, Lou, can I can I borrow 250 bucks, man? <laughs> I, got, I got some plans. I got some I got some ideas. Acreage, I'm at. Well, you and Guy Finney both, because I'm not sure what Finney paid for it, but the big wallet probably wasn't needed for the land itself. But the big wallet would be needed for developing big ideas, and Guy Finney mm-hmm. had big ideas. Land ain't so, nothing until you do something with it. That's right. Within just a few years, he built a private estate. For him and his family that contained a mansion, and for the public, he built an English park, a ballpark, a bandstand, and a big menagerie. Menagerie? Which is a collection of captive animals. Otherwise known as a... See where this is going? (laughs) We're ahead of the place. He also built a hotel and a subdivision. Did he build a dive bar? He did not build a dive bar. Fuck him. Yeah, no. He was kind of square that way. But about six years after he died, the city purchased the Menagerie in 1899, and that became the Woodland Park Zoo. Which is still here today. And they bought it for $100,000. Yeah. So well, hey, Lou, can I borrow $100,000? <laughs> Shout out to Tennessee Williams for the glass menagerie. Thank you. Thank you, Tennessee <laughs> <laughs> Is that what that Wow, means? that's some the culture glass, shit right there, the man. The glass zoo? Wow. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In ni- call back. In, in 1903, speaking of menageries, there was another menagerie in town in 1903 at Leshye Park. And the company that owned that donated their animals to the Woodland Park Zoo. So if you're asking yourself, when does a menagerie become a zoo? It's when you get two of them together, boom, you got a zoo. If you get three of them together, you get a menagerie a trois. And then they were off to the races. And then they got their first That's elephant. another episode, though, <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> another podcast altogether. (laughs) (laughs) They got their first elephant in 1921, purchased from a carnival for $3,100. Oh, that's big bucks. Inflation, right? Damn. You think the guy who owned, who was working for the city was like, son of a bitch, 30 years ago when I was a kid, you could have bought the whole park for 250 bucks. You could buy a used Tesla for that. (laughs) Uh, The second elephant came 10 years later. The city confiscated it for mistreatment from one H.C. Barber, a sideshow huckster that was displaying the elephant at Westlake. Mm, you do not be mistreating elephants in Seattle. Nope. 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 And when the mayor personally saw the elephant, he was so appalled by the condition in, in which he was kept, he ordered him confiscated. And so it was... This, a, was, this was the mayor? Yeah. The mayor hey. went to take his kids to the elephant, and he was like, I'm the mayor. I don't... Like, I can hell do something no. about this. Not in my city. That's right. 
Or he was like, the last one cost $3,100. Let's just <laughs> shake these guys down. Take their elephant and send them packing. But it was a giant seven and a half ton Asian bull named Tusco. And at the time, he was the largest elephant in captivity. Right? Largest oh, elephant in like in, with in the, the, uh, in the story US of Tusco. This or is a good North one. America yeah. or now it gets interesting wow. because this was not the Northwest's first encounter with Tusco. Before the huckster H. C. Barber bought him, he was with the Al Barnes Circus, who one night in nineteen twenty two brought his entertainment to Cedra Woolley. And on that night, Tusco's leg irons had been removed so that they could clean him. After which he immediately threw off his trainer and then went on a rampage through Cedra Woolley. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he was the like the great Cedra Woolley rampage of eight. Brad, you stumbled across this in your. I have, man. Didn't he like ruin a bunch of people's yards and stuff? He was tromping through. Oh yeah, locals described uprooted trees, telephone poles being knocked over, fences yeah. ripped out, gardens flattened. Tulip fields flattened oh. in Cedra Wall. Oh. Yeah, he just went on a destruction spree. Model T's being hip-checked by a 15,000-pound <laughs> animal. <laughs> I say, sir. And it was 7.30 at night when he broke out, and they didn't corral him until 9 o'clock the next morning. Whoa. The humanity. And Holy so crap. it gets better. Check yeah. this out. Eddie Adams' pool hall was nearby the circus, and there were a bunch of people in there doing a pre-funk before the circus started at 8 o'clock. And when they heard the commotion, they came outside and thought it was just the best thing they'd ever seen. Just Tesco going bonkers. Little so, tipsy, walking out of the pool hall, going like, yeah. So the <laughs> bar crowd. Early show. <laughs> the bar crowd just started following the animal. And pretty soon there was a brig crowd of people following it, tipping back bottles of the old shine and following this elephant all night, just watching him tear shit up and freak people out. Tell me that wouldn't be completely entertaining, man, watching an elephant just go on a rampage. Yeah. Yeah, I'd follow <laughs> I that elephant, that. too. Yeah. I'd be like, I'd be oh, hell too. yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's not bothering the people. You're just watching him. And probably a lot of people were concerned, like, if he gets near my place, I'm going to shoo him away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be following that pachyderm, too. And the funniest story remembered was when he went by the train station. There were two switchman on that night and they didn't see him coming until he rounded the corner and the sight of a rampaging elephant freaked him out so they ran into this little shanty outbuilding and Tusco chased him in there and every time they tried to open the door to make a run for it he'd slam the door shut and this just entertained the locals wow wow scared the crap out of a couple of switchmen yeah going I'm gonna be late for dinner the guy's probably like I don't want to be the little help guy but little help you distract him for 10 seconds? <laughs> I do not remember this on my uh, union contract. That's right. You can go see the bones of Tesco at the University of Oregon. It's at their Museum of Natural History. Mm-hmm. Now, didn't it was like a group of guys finally had to kind of like tame him and corral yeah, what, what him back? What do you back? do with a rampaging elephant? You just got to like what, but, let him like tucker himself out and, or what? And who volunteers for that duty? Like, can the you imagine like, hey, who wants gun. to help me go bring down this elephant? There, there, probably not a lot of hands were shooting up. Yeah. Hold on. I, let me get my trank gun. Remember, yeah. they kind of were, once they sobered up, they actually thought of a plan, and they kind of steered him into this, um, like a rail yard, where there was three boxcars on one side. So it was fenced on, or contained on three sides. So once mm. they got him in there. Is that how they finally caught him? Yeah. Okay. 
in, in my mind, this was a drunken stupor plan that a <laughs> bunch of guys from the from the pool all be like, "Hey, let's, this is what we're gonna do, let's man." Let's him into the train yeah. yard, <laughs> and I'll put a rope over its neck, man, <laughs> and I'm gonna ride him. <laughs> I got a dog leash in my backyard. If we can get him over there. That's <laughs> they got it done. There's Tusco right now. Yep. Still doing shit. Still standing. To this day, yep. the ghost of Tusco is at Sully's Snow Goose. And there's one more celebrity animal from the zoo's history, a girl named Bobo. Brad, you probably... Oh, Bobo! I've heard that name. Another is famous this the, the Monkey Wars. Another that famous place? Seattle story. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's a good story too. It was a grouchy yeah. male gorilla housed in was what the then the Great Ape House, and he liked to charge the impact-resistant window when children would get close to his nest. Okay. Which thrilled them to no delight. But before he got to the zoo, he was being raised domestically by a family in Atacornis, like he was a human child. Right. What kind of what kind of outfits did did Bobo wear? Do we have, do we have some? Put some pictures. We can throw um, Yeah. Say, oh, sailor. Yeah. Death. Definitely sailor. Yes. Well, and what were those diapers like? <laughs> so they bought him from a hunter that brought him back from Africa when he was just a gorilla pup. And when he got big and started turning the house think, apart. I don't, I don't think they're called pups. <laughs> Could be wrong. I don't know. Public school education. <laughs> when he got big and started turning their house apart, they donated him to the zoo. They're like, holy shit. <laughs> this thing weighs like 400 pounds. <laughs> but what was really cool was the family would regularly come and visit him at the zoo and they would let him go into the enclosure because he retained a great fondness for his human family. They'd bring him cake on his birthday. Wow. Yeah. Wow. When not Bubba something that would happen these days. <laughs> Pretty much guaranteed. Yeah, not so much with the litigation. <laughs> I'm thinking of the movie Nope. <laughs> When Bobo died in 1968, he was stuffed, and they have him at Mohai. I was just there uh, not too long ago, and I did not see Bobo on display, so they got him in the archives. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they Comes got Bobo. Comes out every once in a while, maybe for his birthday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can bring him a cake. Can you imagine being like a night janitor there, and you're <laughs> cleaning the archives, and suddenly your flashlight <laughs> flashes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you are, Bobo. Wondered where you went. Yeah, what else we got? Going up, <laughs> going to the zoo was free up until 1977. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm God bless Seattle. I'm going to skip this next part about the evolution of the zoo design, and I'm going to get to the juicy stuff. Tonight on King 5 News, a trailer containing four elephants overturned a day at Finney Ridge in 67th. Whoa. Yeah, that happened. Four in elephants. In a trailer. In a trailer, overturned. That's right. It was in 1958. It made a good headline that day also. Wow. But the guy was delivering the elephants, and when he made the turn, all the elephants kind of shifted their weight to one side of the trailer. And tipped and completely flattened the per car. So you can imagine, that's like 60,000 pounds of elephant on your car. 17 people killed. Yeah, no one was killed, but the door on the trailer broke open, and they started... Wandering around the neighborhood. Not on a rampage, just a curious, you know, like, oh, hey, this is a nice neighborhood. And what, what year was this? Over over uh, 1958. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. You're walking around like, oh, hey, this is a cute little dive bar over here, Sully's. Sully's You're right. Bogus. It wasn't four Tuscos just, like, raising yeah. Fanny to the ground. <laughs> yeah, they're not a fucking shit up. They're just, like, walking around. What's an elephant got to do to get a drink around here? A woman who lived on the corner came outside to see what the fuss was and saw four elephants on her lawn. <laughs> Can you imagine walking out? What's going on? Oh. 
oh reminds my. me of that joke from old movies and cartoons where the guy sees something crazy and is drinking and he pours it out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, I need to stop drinking. <laughs> I need to stop drinking. <laughs> need to stop sniffing glue. So the zookeepers came over and the wrangling of them into the zoo went smoothly. Um, it was a fine day for everyone except uh, the guy whose car got flat. Yeah. Uh, awesome story. Not not as dramatic as the rampaging elephant it's that ended up gold. like fucking shit up, right? But it's still a cool story. Four elephants just cruising around. You know, not, just not cruising something around you see every day? Not every day. Yeah. Absolutely. I like to think the guy... With a happy ending. ...came out from work, though, and saw his car completely flattened, and maybe there was a <laughs> note what on the, the windshield. <laughs> Please call Williams Moving and Transport. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> oh, my God. No, nice. there was a, um, Always there a, was a monkey war at the Finney Ridge Zoo. Did you come across that? Are you talking about when they built the... The island? The king of the... King of the... King of the... Um, yeah. King of the Hill. Yeah. They, all the mm. monkeys were in captivity, and then they built a thing where they could all mm-hmm. socialize. Yep. It was basically a mountain, and they just spent the time. It was a monkey war. Kings are like, it was a monkey I'm war. King. king of the Hill. Yeah, monkey. Yep. Yeah. And people would actually come every day. It became oh, to watch them like battling and out. Watch them battling and out. Oh. And the newspapers were carrying like updates about what was going on in this like, monkey war. Like who's, it was a sport. Like, who's yeah, king this yeah. week? Yeah. Wow. Taking bets on it. Probably couldn't do that now. Yeah, no. Probably not. We're going to put all the monkeys on the island and have them fight to the death. <laughs> well, you'd have some guy, like, climb the fence and try to wrestle him or something. That's what happened today. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Get his arm ripped off. Yeah. For good measure. <laughs> his face bitten off by three different chimps. Nice. So I got one last thing, and uh, it's a little story about the zoo, like I mentioned earlier. You're not going to find it in any the book. Z- the zoo that's about four to five blocks north from where we are. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we can practically Stones. see it from here. Stone's throw. So, yeah, you're not going to find this story in any book or online because it's up here in the Nog in a sweet loo. Uh-oh. That's right. Uh-oh. This is a <laughs> Dim Lights exclusive. If you stuck around this far, it's all going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. So... When I first moved to town, I knew a friend of a friend who worked at Woodland Park Zoo as a zookeeper. He was an actual zookeeper. He was I mean, a woman, that, Brad. That, okay, Jeremy, that's women zookeepers too. Course, so yes, that, that's a big deal. Like you don't, you don't just like. This is the uh, 2020s, Jeremy. <laughs> Things have changed since the 1950s. The zookeeper <laughs> position, right? Like that's like you know you gotta have like a PhD and shit, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they're that's a zoologist. Legit. So one night we were hanging out, and she told us about a zookeeper um, friend, a co-worker, who had a fondness and a deep knowledge of psychedelic mushrooms. And apparently there are certain types of animal dung that are ideal for growing high-potency magic mushrooms. And I, I think I'm going to need some more details on this. Um, so maybe access, a white paper? Access to dung that you would not have unless you worked in the zoo. Oh. And so according that's the reason you become a zookeeper. Probably for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so according to her, the guy made this big hidden garden on the grounds of the zoo that he used for growing psychedelic mushrooms oh, for, yeah. for later consumption and sale. That sounds very Seattle. <laughs> God yeah. bless Seattle. So literally, they're growing psychedelic mushrooms at the zoo because 
that's the best fucking place to grow them. Yeah. Well, it's it's the dung apparently. Yeah. From what Lou is saying. The zebra doo doo. The, the, the dung was well, the lemur doo doo. You gotta mention. You you have to mention. You have to mention zoo doo. Zoo doo. Absolutely right. You know the whole. There's, oh man, yeah. There's a long rich, deep seated yeah. history of good stuff for your garden. Yeah, and yeah. great for your mushrooms apparently. <laughs> Which I did not know okay. until today. So that's All right. Good. That sounds like a recipe and a formula and a project. <laughs> yeah. So there was a large drawing ring operating out of the zoo in the 90s. Nice. I think so. Nice. Yeah. What did what 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 was the say, outcome of that? Did yeah, like the 90s. officials you, find out about it and close it down or what happened? Yeah, how do yeah, you know it's I over? Never, uh, after a while, we sort of lost contact. Me and Baba moved to San Francisco, and I never knew what happened to that guy. But we cannot. Maybe it's still going on. I'd like to think. Yeah, so. we cannot Sorry. confirm or deny that Sorry, that is we over. Lost your <laughs> 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 the, that's what everybody said too. They were like, "Have you tried them? Are they good? Can you get us some?" <laughs> <laughs> and for our listeners, no, no, we cannot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with that, thanks everybody for hanging out with us on this episode of Sully Snow Goose. Uh, like, subscribe, um, follow, and what what do you do with the... <laughs> Any next support for the show is much appreciated. Absolutely. Yeah. Check out our Patreon page. Until next time, appreciate it. We'll see you. Uh,